Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Holly Goodman, shareholder with Gunster in Southern Florida. On this program, we span the globe and receive updates on critical issues from ELA members in each region. Today, we are connecting with our member firm representing Washington State. Joining us on the program is Susan Stauffield with Miller Nash, a partner and a leader in the firm's Employment Law and Labor Relations Practice Group in Seattle. In July of 2021, President Biden issued an executive order which encouraged the Federal Trade Commission to curtail the unfair use of non-compete clauses and other clauses that may unfairly limit worker mobility. The FTC has just now proposed a new rule that would ban employers from imposing non-competes on their workers altogether. The FTC is seeking public comment on this proposed rule. Today, we will be talking with Susan to understand more about the use of the non-compete clause, her insights about the FTC's new proposed rule, and her recommendations about what employers need to know and should be doing in response. Susan, Happy New Year and welcome. It's really a pleasure having you on our program to discuss this new proposed rule. Thank you, Holly. It's great to be here today, and Happy New Year to you also. So I know that there's been some action on non-compete restrictions lately. Susan, can you start by orienting our listeners to what exactly constitutes a non-competition restriction? Sure. And it is something that is kind of almost a state-by-state explanation of what it can be. But basically, a non-competition restriction is where an employer requires through a contract that an employee during employment and for some time period after employment not to provide any assistance or even go to work for a competitor. And so last year, President Biden directed the Federal Trade Commission to take action to limit the use of non-competition restrictions by employers in what they classified as unfair restrictions. And earlier this month, the FTC actually finally issued a proposed rule on that subject. What can you tell us about what the FTC is proposing in its rule? Yeah, it was actually some of us were pretty surprised at how broad the rule that they proposed is. What President Biden did was ask them to look at some limitations on non-competition restrictions. And a lot of things that people were talking about were, we're only going to have them apply to highly compensated employees, or perhaps only employees who are officers or directors or managers, or perhaps they'll only be allowed for employees who have access to confidential information. So we were expecting to see something along those lines. Instead, what we got was basically no non-competition restrictions are going to be allowed at all, with the exception of if the employee is selling at least 25% of the business to the new owner or the employer, and also on contracts between businesses similar to like franchise agreements. It's really much broader than any of us were expecting, I think. It's going to be quite an adjustment for a lot of employers if this rule actually goes into effect. I know that some states already had some of those types of restrictions you're talking about, income thresholds or limitations on the types of workers. The state of Florida, where I'm located, is very broad in its protections of non-compete clauses. So obviously, Florida employers are watching this rule very closely as it would impact their ability to use non-competes with employees as broadly as they have been. Susan, as a preliminary matter here, what authority, if any, does the FTC have to make such a broad ruling when, as you noted, every state has its own definition of a non-compete? Yeah, I think that's a very good question. A whole lot of us have serious doubts whether the FTC has authority to 
promulgate this rule. And I'm sure whatever eventually gets passed, formalized, will be challenged in the courts. Yeah. So I think there's probably a bit of a process that we're going to be going through. And in the meantime, I think we're all going to be scratching our heads about why the FTC is taking this action. Do you have any insight on why the FTC would go so far as to essentially eliminate non-competes altogether? Well, the reasons they gave in their uh, explanation for the rule was that non-compete causes friction out in the job market, was a big one with them. And also they believe that it suppresses wages, that because employees cannot freely move between companies and employers at a high level, or sometimes even a medium-sized level, it suppresses the wages that they can be paid. They're kind of stuck where they're at in some ways, is, it was the theory. There was also a belief that the use of non-competes increased gender and racial wage gaps. That's what, one of the things the FTC said. And there was also a concern that the use of these non-competes prohibited new business formations and also decreased innovations. And again, it's it was because of the coercive nature of them supposedly keeping workers at a particular company and not able to freely move around. So those were the the primary reasons that they gave. I think that, you know, you're talking about innovations. And when we talk about the idea that it would suppress innovations, I think that one of the reasons that a lot of businesses want to use non-competes is to protect their innovations. So are there any restrictions that are not covered by the proposed rule? What, what options might still be on the table for businesses that are concerned about protecting their own innovations? Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. I, I think that that's a lot of reasons people have the non-compete provisions in there is to protect the innovations that they are generating through their business. What this rule does not do is limit a bunch of different other types of agreements, though, that can prevent or can provide protection for employers. For example, non-disclosure agreements, those are not covered by this rule. So you can have confidential information, and that can include trade secrets, research and development, all things that cannot be taken by an employee to another company. There's always the concern in those situations, though, is how much can the employee have already in their head and already know, and how are they going to avoid using that for a competitor? So that's always a continuing concern with regard to the non-competes. For employees who are involved in solicitating business, there's you know non-solicitations of clients will continue to be allowed, and they're not covered by this new rule. Or they a agreement saying that you can't do business with a client, similarly to the non-solicitation of a client, would continue to also be a viable type of agreement. The non-recruiting of other employees is agreements that would also be continued in place despite this rule, if this rule gets passed as is. There are some other similar type restrictions. And of course, employers do have trade secret law that can protect a lot of their innovations as well. I know, Susan, when I was looking at it, you were talking about the non-disclosure agreements and protecting trade secrets. I did see in the definition section that there is a section of the proposed rule that gets to the idea of non-disclosures that might be too broad. Can you tell us a little bit about the specifics of the rule and what exactly it is prohibiting now that we know that there are some exceptions we might be able to use? Right. So you're right. It, it does specifically say that you can't call something a non-disclosure agreement, but write it so broadly that it effectively becomes a non-competition provision. And they will be keeping their eye out for those kinds of broadly written provisions. And that could also occur in the non-solicitation area. 
where you write it so broadly that there's just no way that they can go work for anybody else, regardless of who they might be soliciting. So those are going to have to be carefully crafted. Employers need to look at their business. They need to look at what it is they want to protect, and they need to work with an attorney to help them get the agreement broadly enough that it covers them and protects them, but narrow enough that it doesn't violate rules like this or state laws. I mean, there's a lot of state laws involved in here too. Washington state has an income level. It also has a a limitation on the number of months post-termination. You can have these kind of restrictions. It has, you have to give the agreement to the person before you make the job offer, at least at the same time, so they know what they're getting into. Some other requirements in that, California doesn't allow non-competes at all. And so agreements tend to focus on non-solicitation, but they always include provisions. This is not a non-compete in them. So to help make those enforceable. The other thing I do want to mention, I didn't mention this before, the rule doesn't apply to just employees. It, It applies to agreements with workers. So that would include independent contractors, for example, if you have independent contractors, interns, externs, perhaps even volunteers, although they aren't paid still if you have them in and try to get some kind of a non-compete with them, or any kind of perhaps a sole proprietor who is providing services to a client. And that's going to be a really key part too, because a lot of businesses make agreements with a consultant or a vendor to perform a service, and they don't want that vendor then taking their confidential information or experiences with them over to a competitor. So those are also going to be covered by this rule. It's a really interesting nuance. I think that a lot of the publications that I've seen really kind of skip over. It seems to be so heavily focused on employees. So what should businesses be doing now in light of the fact that this rule has been proposed? And I think that there's some pretty strict timelines if it goes into effect of requirements for compliance within 120 days after the rule goes into effect. So what should employers be doing to prepare in the event that this rule comes to fruition? So right now, you don't need to get rid of your non-compete agreements. We have a proposed rule. There will be a comment period. There may very well be changes to this rule as some of the companies come in and say, well, here's why we want this kind of agreement. Here's why we're looking for a non-competition. And so we don't know exactly what the final rule is going to look like at this point. First off, nobody needs to panic on those grounds. But you need to go through and take a look at your agreements and make sure that you're not just saying non-compete, make sure your agreements include non-solicitations, confidentiality provisions, other ways that you can protect your you know, IP, your marketing, all of those things that are the, the key reasons you want these kind of provisions in the first place. So do a real good solid look at what you need to protect and consider other ways of protecting it than a non-compete. And I noticed that in the, at least in the proposed rule, the FTC also wants employers to rescind any existing non-competes if the rule goes into effect and then give notice to employees about that rescission. Do you recommend that employers also begin at least creating a chart or a list of who it is that has non-compete obligations that they might have to notify if this rule goes into effect? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. They need to know at least by classification, job classifications perhaps, but they should collect a a list of the employees they currently have non-competition provisions with 
the rule does say that the FTC is supposed to create a template for the notice that needs to be given to employees. So I don't think employers need to right now be creating their own notice. But certainly if this thing passes in its current form at some point in time, it is going to make even existing non-competes unenforceable, which that's a whole other legal issue and whether they can retroactively change contracts that people have already entered into. So that is also, even if the whole rule doesn't get a challenge, that part could easily get a challenge going forward. But start looking at the template replacement contracts that you might want to use with some of these people who will no longer have the non-compete provisions in there. Yeah, I think I think it's certainly going to create a lot of opportunity for additional litigation if this rule does go into effect, especially with how it affects current ongoing litigation, how it affects temporary restraining orders or temporary injunctions or permanent right. injunctions that are in effect. And as you noted, the retroactivity of that for, for businesses that have already spent quite a good deal of money to enforce those restrictions and to get those right. orders. So there's so, definitely a lot coming. <laughs> yes, there is absolutely definitely a lot coming. Susan, do you have any final words on this proposed rule? Yeah, I think the other thing to keep in mind that we haven't mentioned is this rule is going to be across the country. So it's going to affect everybody. That means state laws that allow more restrictive non-competes, they're not going to be enforceable. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that state laws that are even narrower, maybe there's state laws that prohibit non-solicitation provisions. In Washington state, while this proposed rule would allow no poaching agreements on a franchise agreement, that's not allowed in Washington state. So employers are going to have to remember that they're going to have to comply not only with this one, but also with their state law to the extent that it's stricter than what this rule is. That's certainly a lot for employers to keep in mind and for them to keep their eye on as we move forward here. Susan, this has been such an interesting and timely discussion on this new proposed rulemaking on non-competes. And it's no doubt this will be helpful for the attorneys and the employers across the country who listen to our podcast. Thank you for sharing your time and your insight today with our listeners. Thanks for having me here today. I really appreciate the opportunity. If anyone listening would like to connect with Susan, please click on her bio in the description of this podcast. We also encourage you to reach out to any of our lawyers around the world by selecting Find a Lawyer on the ELA website at ela.law. In addition, you can search the ELA website where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content from our online library, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Holly Goodman. Thanks for listening.